Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Episode 32, David Morowski, Alastair Stewart and B. Dave Walters. Hello there. Welcome to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Uh, it, as I did say, it is kind of like a community kind of thing, so it's a way of uh, people to come, in, come together in the absence of uh, the shows that we would love to uh, usually go to uh, in the summer. Michael P, uh, me too on Comic-Con withdrawals. Yeah, I'm safe to say I'm getting in that direction as well. It's starting to get a little bit uh, get awkward. Andrew English, I'm getting Comic-Con withdrawals as well. I'm, I'm sure we all are. It's just getting, uh, it's very awkward at this point. I appreciate it, but that's where we all come together on these shows to kind of uh, talk it all out and uh, get into a bit of a community spirit. And it's also fantastic guests on to talk about said community and uh, said uh, withdrawals because we've got three fantastic guests, uh, two, well, three fantastic guests. One's going to be joining us later, B. David Walters, uh, who's going to be talking about his new Kickstarter and uh, his career as well. But we have ourselves, uh, David Molovsky. Hello, David, from uh, A Place to Hang Your Cape. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really good. Yeah, had a pretty good weekend, you know, uh, lots of parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, were these, were these Zoom parties? Uh, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, my other half is currently suffering because uh, she and her old, old schoolmates decided to meet up last night. Uh, and at half past two in the morning, she staggered into bed, absolutely wasted. Ooh. But you know what? I think she was overdue. Um, a bit of a blowout. So, uh, no, I totally understand uh, all of that. And we've got Alasdair Stewart joining us as well. Alasdair, Alasdair hey. how are you? I'm good, thanks. Excellent stuff. It's a, a pleasure to have you both joining us. Uh, I think the first things first is just to kind of introduce yourself, because I follow you two on uh, Twitter. You, I think you're in the same kind of boat I am. We kind of all support the communities and the, the artists and uh, creatives that we do um, the best we can. Um, but I think it's best if everyone just kind of uh, is introduced to you, uh, if possible. So I think we'll start with David first. Um, you've got a kind of like 30, 30 second elevator pitch. Who is David Molowski? So I am the editor in Cape of A Place to Hang Your Cape. Um, we are a comic book and superhero website, uh, very much a Comic Con um, website or on a website. Um, we do uh, a lot of what we do is supporting indie comic creators. We do a lot of uh, reviews and interviews with them. We also have our podcast Podcapers found where any ever uh, any good podcasts are found. And uh, yeah, we basically um, help out the comics book, comic book scene. A lot of what we do is just helping uh, creators promote their stuff because it's great work and we'd like to chat about it. Because, um, I mean, the accent might throw one or two people off, because you're based here in the UK, aren't you? You're... Yes, I am in, yeah. uh, well, I was going to say sunny London, but it's a bit great. <laughs> so it, it's very much the UK indie comic scene that you support, because, um, I mean, the work that you do uh, in highlighting uh, what uh, comic creators are doing here in the UK, uh, not, the, not necessarily the main uh, publishers, it's very much uh, those people that are striving out on their own and telling their own individual stories. I think that's um, very much yeah. uh, uh, what you're uh, what you're all about. Alistair, um, yeah, explain yourself. Uh, give yourself, everyone, a bit of an introduction. Justify to you. yourself. 
Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Alistair Stewart. I'm professionally enthusiastic. Uh, you can find me in two primary locations. The first is I co-own a fiction podcast company called Escape Artists. We produce four shows, each one of which includes a complete or serialized piece of genre fiction in a different genre every week for free. Escape Pod does science fiction. Pseudopod does horror. I host that one. Uh, Podcastle does fantasy, and Cast of Wonders does YA. We have been around 15 years. Uh, my partner and I have owned the company for the last five. We have just over two and a half thousand episodes in the back catalog, all for free. Um, and it's the best and weirdest job I've ever had. The other thing I do is I'm a freelance journalist and also a tabletop RPG designer, although that's a little bit on the back burner at the moment. Um, I've worked for sites like Tor.com, Sci-Fi Bulletin, Sci-Fi Wire. Um, you can find me most regularly at the moment on my newsletter, which is called The Full Lid, which releases every Friday at 5 p.m. and is just a collection of stuff I've seen and enjoyed or found interesting across the course of the last week. Um, I'm actually also Hugo. I'm a Hugo finalist again this year. Uh, I'm a finalist in the Best Fan Writer category and Escape Pod is a finalist in Best semi Prosine. So this whole, hey, things are good, shtick I have <laughs> is actually working quite well. Well, I mean, I think that's the reason why I wanted to get the pair of you on uh, is because uh, at the end of the day, you are uh, very much, uh, if not enthusiastic, or you are professional um, fan appreciators. You are people that um, uh, go out all out to um, support and um, encourage the uh, the communities uh, that you are involved in. Uh, but everything seems to be a little bit on hold. Um, when it comes to the way that um, our uh, particular fandoms are going at the moment, at least on the marketing level, or at least on the getting the uh, the product out to people level, when it comes to creativity, it seems that um, this is kind of also being a little bit of a uh, a boiling pot. Um, I just wanted to basically to have you both on to kind of find out what your tone or what your feeling is about um, uh, the way that uh, the lockdown has affected uh, the communities. I mean, David, what's been your take on um, indie creators? Because I get this nasty feeling, well, not a fat nasty feeling, I just get this sneaking suspicion there's going to be a lot of COVID babies out of this. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of Kickstarters, a lot of um, Etsy stores, and a lot of, a lot of stuff that people are putting together, they're kind of like stuck at their drawing tables. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, my uh my sidekick fred has started writing a comic and i almost did the other day so i think that that's just goes to show how uh creative people are getting right now um but yeah i think uh from what i've been seeing is a lot of people are sort of at the production stage we're seeing a sort of a slowing down in the number of reviews that we get there's definitely not as many kickstarters coming into us we used to get like five or six a week now we're getting I think we got three uh, emailing us in the last month um, to wow. promote. Yeah, it's. I think there's. It's sort of like with films. There's not a lot new happening, but it's all sort of simmering below the surface. And I think, like you said, it's the distribution angle that's sort of becoming the big problem right now, and the marketing and all that sort of stuff. Do you think, um, as well, there's this element that people aren't wanting to launch that many Kickstarters right now, which is why I'm. I've set up a, a feature at the end of the show to showcase those new Kickstarters, uh, which are launching in this particular moment, because it is difficult to go cap in hand to people when yeah. 
money is tight when the income's not coming in perhaps the uh, the furlough money hasn't arrived in the bank account things are very much a case of you are wanting to put money into putting food on the table it's it it's really awkward to kind of ask for for money at this point um so I'm, yeah I, I i kind of get what you're saying uh, yeah. when it comes to the creativities there um I, I find it interesting that the kickstarters have dried up that much yeah i mean um so we had a few campaigns that we we're going to be supporting and featuring on um, pod capers um, we do have a few that are actually live this going to be live this month but at the around april we had a few that had like contacted us and been like yeah we want to do some uh, promotion with you get on the podcast do all this sort of stuff and then like th two of them i think just emailed and were like look we're canceling them we're just going to hold off until things you know settle down a bit and i think it kind of makes sense in this climate that like you know it's like you said that it's really hard to ask people for money right now but what we're seeing on the other end of the spectrum is a lot of people are giving their comics away for free as a form of promotion which is sort of the anti-kickstarter i think um but you are seeing a lot more of a lot a lot of free comics floating around out there sure uh mm -hmm. i'm I'm also seeing a lot of kind of microtransactions as well. Um, things that are dropped in price. Um, yeah. I mean, the one that we would really we have been really supporting here on uh, the show uh, is uh, Rachel Smith's uh, quarantine yeah. comics. Uh, the fact that she's been uh, up, I'm so glad that, that that you're a fan of that. It's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's just been great to see that she's putting out those, um, like you say, for free on her social media, but also selling the originals at £15 or whatever they are. Yeah. So, you know, the originals are going out, but there's this constant rolling of content. Um, with Alistair, what's, what's been your take on the, the kind of talk and the chatter uh, when it comes to, because um, we're all kind of talking this way we're talking virtually we're talking uh, in podcasts we're talking live streams um are you seeing a lot of collaboration as well bits and pieces of it uh, i mean the perspective i've got i'm, I'm an ex-retailer as well as doing all of this so so the, the perspective i've got is that i'm a little bit connected to to that side of things and i'm seeing a lot of retailers who are doing a really good job of hunkering down uh you and i mean especially in the uk because and I'm I will be careful how I how I phrase this because of recent choices Diamond have made, uh, UK and international retailers have been unusually hung out to dry in an industry that has entirely been hung out to dry, and I've seen a lot of uh, small scale retailers like I'm, I'm based in Reading, my local is Crunch Comics, and they've been doing great. They've managed to transition to mail order. They've got a lot of regular customers who are basically going. This is how much I can spend a month. Here's the back catalog items I want. Please just send me that until things come back on stream. So from a retail point of view, the industry has done, from my perspective, a really very good job of triaging itself. You know, here's what we can and can't do. Here's uh, how we can keep going until that changes. In terms of creators, I'm seeing two things, and they're both really interesting. Um, First is, yeah, the impression I get is there is an awful lot of back-channel collaboration going on. There's an awful lot of people going, well, we can't do this now, but can we do this in a year? And your point about projects which are COVID babies, I think you're going to see a very long stream of those. I find myself, as I suspect we all do, thinking an awful lot about what the world is going to be like when this is done. Uh, 
And especially from a cultural point of view, I think there is just going to be this incredible six month concentrated scream of all the stuff that's been delayed or has had to be finished late. And it will all just hit one after the other across all these industries. I'm going to be really interested to see what comics looks like then. Now, putting my revolutionary hat on a little bit, the other thing which this has started to enable an awful lot is basically taking the power out of a distributor's hands which given that we have what is legally not a monopoly i hope you can hear <laughs> the letters on that uh, it can only be a good thing i mean initiatives like quarantine comics uh, initiatives like panel syndicate are really this is their opportunity to come into their own and i've been very heartened to see how many people have been signal boosting stuff like them and stuff like rachel as creatives have essentially there's no way of saying this without sounding pejoratively angry, and I'm not in a position to sound pejoratively angry, but it does sound pejorative. Functionally, every creative one in this industry has been cut loose, and it's been really heartening to see how many of them have gone, okay, time to knit my own parachute, and yeah. seem to be succeeding. No, that, that yeah, um, that's pretty much what I've seen. Well, I've been really curious that I haven't, I mean, you, you, you're saying that you're seeing a lot of collaboration going on, um, I'm I'm kind of seeing more people realizing that they have got very limited windows when it comes to uh, the support systems that they have. Uh, that those support systems don't necessarily protect them. Um, so it, I'm seeing a lot of creators kind of becoming a little bit insular and finding out what, what they can do on their own. If if that makes yep. if that makes sense. Um, I'm curious to see if this extends any further, whether we're going to see more, like you say, uh, more people talking, um, so like online and kind of bringing stuff together. But I think the, the kernels of those ideas are there. It's interesting you're talking about the comic book retailers as well, because, I mean, we've got uh, Jared from OK Comics who's going to be coming on on Wednesday. I and mean, I had a bit of a chat with him this morning, um, and he was basically saying that the way that he's dealing with it is almost not saying head in the sand but it's more a case of okay i can't do anything about this i can't really because yeah. i at the end of the day i can only really do what i can do with what i've got and what's coming in to the store uh, which there are some books which are starting to arrive on his doorstep so he's having to go in and sort those out and do that uh, mail order wise um but he i mentioned about marvel um, talking uh, talking about their uh, ramping back up of their uh, distribution, talking about DC taking on these uh, uh, new um, distribution uh, models. And he said, I, I have not paid any attention to that. Uh, to be honest, I'm just all about this. I just want to get the store s as protected as possible because thankfully he's in a, a, a relatively uh, stable state that the store will open pretty much um, back up to speed and can happen rather quickly. But I, I'm seeing the talk of a lot of comic book stores that will suffer from this and close. Uh, David, I mean, around your neck of the woods as well, I mean, what's the comic book stores um, around your area and what are they kind of dealing with? Because, I mean, you've got the ones in the town center, which I'm guessing are uh, closed, but what about the smaller stores? Um, I mean, the one that I usually go to is Orbital, which is in Central, and uh, I've been checking their Twitter probably every couple of days, and there's just been nothing. Um, I haven't really reached out to many of them, but um, from what I hear, I think everything's just 
everything's just closed. I don't know if there's much, uh, more, if, the, if the general attitude is much different from what you just said about um, your friend, but I think that uh, I think the main issue that a lot of comic book store owners are dealing with is the fact that this is encouraging so much more digital re readership of comics. And if people start getting used to getting digital comics and actually uh, start getting converted to digital comics, and that sort of is that's where I think the the real danger is of their business is getting undercut by that form of distribution. Understand. There's an interesting corollary to that as well, which is after the, the hilarious comicsology price gouge of a few weeks ago. The timing um, of that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I've I've worked in PR and comms a little bit, and I would teach how that was rolled out as how not to do literally anything. And I, I was astounded by that. But and and the, the, I haven't run run the math fully on this. But now that uh, ebooks are zero VAT, their prices have come down a little bit. But they've only come down a little bit. Most of the gouge is still in place. So I, I think physical copies are actually still cheaper if you can get them. But yeah. I, I would have to yeah, look I think at that's it. the key point. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, if you look at what Comic House's response was, um, which is they gave away, I think it was two or three months free to any new user. Uh, wow. that, that's I think that's the way to uh, to win over new customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got one or two people that are jumping in with uh, uh, some comments. Uh, Michael P. Uh, Michael B. But P. By the way, um, uh, he's uh, based uh, on the West Coast. Um, he is, uh, I, I believe, he's San Diego based, and he's saying he's our, our local comic book stores closed. Uh, Andrew Dickinson talking about the. Um, the creators putting uh, stuff out and uh, basically reaching out to uh, the customers directly. And a lot of pay what you want, uh, which is uh, what yeah. he's seeing, uh, which is rather rather cool. Um, into the blue, Mister. I think this is more of a personal thing to Alistair, earning <laughs> bonus points for having a TARDIS on his shelf. Yes, it, I mean that's that is a hell of a nerd shelf there, sir. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, and what else have we got? Uh, I mean, obviously, one or two people talking. Oh, Colorado, sorry, uh, is for Michael P. Sorry about that. Um, one or two people talking about New York Comic Con, but we'll get into that in a bit. Andrew Dickinson, um, there's been a couple of specific hits on stores, I believe. Patriot Games in Leeds got all of their high-value magic cards stolen, which is painful. Um, that's, that's just not on. Obviously, um, and Andrew Dickinson, uh, do comics pay VAT? I thought they were zero rated. Uh, books um, have paid VAT up until yeah. about three days ago. Okay, uh, Alistair, I don't know if you want to just very quickly, uh, sort of like just wave your hand in front of your laptop or your, your camera and refocus it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll just move further away, it's fine. That's <laughs> fair enough. Okay, um, so I'm gonna send it just. Uh, it, the messages are coming in. I keep clicking on by uh, by accident, so uh, bear with me a second. Um, so, in terms of the way that the industry is going to look on the other side of this, I mean, David, you're talking about digital there. Uh, we talked to uh, um, uh, from IDW, um, and we basically talked about how that business is going to look at the other end, and he was very much approaching it uh, from the perspective of what DC have said is that they feel that um, the digital and the 
uh, print businesses are almost two separate subsections of their comics industry uh, in that they feel that print will never go away because they're very much the collectors and the speculators that are very much um, wanting to get physical books in their hands. Alistair's absolutely struggling with the phone. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'll, I'll be blurry in an art house cinema for a bit. It's all good. We should get drunk and we'll be blurry as well. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm curious to what you feel that the other end, other side of the, the uh, of all of this uh, could possibly look like. You're feeling that digital could be, I mean, the way that you're talking there is it's very much a threat that digital could take over print. Well, um, that, yeah. Go on. No, I think that it's exactly what you said. I think that it's been what we've seen in so many different industries, you know, newspapers probably being the best example of, you know, digital overtakes print. I think that at the end of the day, a lot of people still prefer to read a comic in their hands that they can hold and feel and smell and that there's definitely something to that. But for me, I do read most of my comics digitally, even though I do prefer to read it. I would prefer to read hard copies, but I mostly get them sent to me as PDFs because of my work and that's how I read most of them. And having gotten used to that, there are now comics that when I think, oh, am I going to buy this? I may just buy it digitally because that's how I'm used to reading it. And I think that if you start getting thousands of people sort of trained in the same way for months to start reading digital comics, that's what's going to keep happening. And I think that's that's where that sort of threat comes in. But do I, I wouldn't say that uh, print comics are going to go anywhere. I just think that it's... I think that where we're going to lose out is could be the stores that having that dependability that people are definitely going to want to have their pull list every week sitting there in a box waiting for them that they're going to be willing to make that journey in that they're not going to you know want the convenience of oh I can just download it on my phone and if I want to get the, the physical copy maybe I'll just pick up the trade in a couple of years. Sure. Do you think, uh, and this is to the pair of you, um, when um, the lockdown is lifted, uh, which we're looking at that our governments are on both sides of the ponds are wanting to do sooner rather than later, even at the, the risk of uh, further infections in that second curve, they're under pressure from uh, their, their economies, they're wanting to open the doors again. We are pretty hardcore fans. Um, and we will walk into fire uh, for a lot of uh, our own fandoms. Um, do you feel that um, we will be just kind of beating on the door to get back into our comic book stores? Or do you think there's going to be a little bit of a, an air of caution there? Alistair? I, I think there's going to be an air of caution. Um, one of the things which uh, when, one of my old, oldest friends is a, an entertainment journalist in Austin, and uh, one he... There was a story that circulated in the US a couple of days ago about how Austin's cinemas are set to reopen. And one of them is, maybe two. The vast majority of companies and the vast majority of punters have made it very clear that, no, I, I, I'd like to not roll the dice to see whether I'm going to become life-threateningly ill to go see Bloodshot, thanks. I mean, yeah, Bloodshot's fun, don't get me wrong, but it is not something I would want to risk my life for. And I'm, I would very much like to think that there's a measurable percentage of people who feel the same way about this. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm fundamentally optimistic and I can't help but wonder whether or not what we're looking at here is ultimately a, kind of a trifurcation of the industry that there will be, as you say, the, the kind of 
increased foothold of digital. There will also be the pe people who just want to go into a store and talk to someone for 15 minutes or six hours, as one of my old customers used to do, and then buy their comics and leave. And then there'll also be folks who will just stay on mail order. I love the post. I love getting things in the post. I am unbearable about it. I get excited when I get things in the mail. And I wonder whether what we're looking at here is something which ultimately is going to be really positive, which is an awful fucking thing to say at times like this, I know. <laughs> but Diamond were a monopoly. They, in all but name, They're, they can't be now. By definition, they can't be. And that means that things have to be different. And that means that things have to be more spread out. You can't have a stable industry based on an individual supplier of anything. And my sincere hope is that what we're going to see after an inevitable period of tremendous pain and uncertainty in a lot of ways is an industry that's more stable and more viable, where there are three or four different distributors all working to get the same stuff to stores, where stores have a dedicated clientele, where hopefully Comixology would look at rolling back out something like the old digital shop front they used to have, where you could buy your Comixology titles through your local comic store. And like I say, my sincere hope is that ultimately the industry comes out stronger and more viable from this because Diamond has, and I, I say this with the utmost respect, I know people who've worked there, but Diamond has been the, the waiter, the, you know, the, the thing that has been handcuffed to the, the, the ankle of the industry for decades. And now it's not. And what follows has to be different and hopefully will be better. David? Yeah, um, one thing I was going to say is just following up on um, if we do if we do start seeing more stores um, stay alive and we do see, but we then see um, the bigger names at least decreasing the amount of print, we may start seeing more shelf space for indie comics, or at least maybe that's my uh, very, very optimistic hope. Um, at least, but if it... Yeah, you know, like, I think that indie comics still will always be in print, um, one way or another. Um, as long as the Comic Cons come back, we'll have a way. Well, to get that them back. that was going to be literally, but the next thing I said because um, obviously with indie, uh, it is a, a case of the the best way to get their comics into uh, the hands of people and to get the attention is at these uh, shows, which is uh, very difficult. Uh, and you, we've been talking a lot to uh, indie creators and just seeing that uh, revenue stream, not only with the money that they put out to cons throughout the summer, which is not going to be coming back, uh, but also then uh, not yeah. to get those sales as well. It's, it's just been disheartening, which kind of then asks uh, the blanket question, and I'll just throw it out and see what uh, the response is. Should comics have a union at this point? Yes. <laughs> I, I think much like professional wrestling, comics should have had a union about five decades ago. David, uh, could, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, indie creators yeah, have I mean, been hit so hard by this. I would love to see that kind of protection. I mean, my, my father was a union man. Um, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> well, I ain't going to do it. Uh, but um, I, I think it's certainly, it's just the, just the, 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 the chatter of people being creative for creative sake because they just feel that they've got nothing else to do. They've got nothing that they've been, they've almost been felt abandoned. 
I mean, you were talking about this earlier, Alistair, but there is that kind of that sense that people have just been felt a little bit cut loose. And um, I'm, the longer this goes on, I mean, people are talking about 2020 being a wash, um, yeah. which that hurts. Um, yeah. But that, I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, I just to explain, I'm in a totally different industry. I work as a mobile DJ, uh, which means my uh, income relies on getting people in front of me in a crowd. That's oh. my that's my um, uh, in, income gone, and I'm having to accept now for that's for the rest of the year, uh, pretty much. And I think comic creators are, are, are feeling a similar kind of hit because they are sensing that that this is not just going to be middle of May. Okay, wow, uh, Marvel and everyone's getting comics back out into stores. That's not going to be the end of it. It's going there's going to be more of it. Um, Toby. Let's jump in with a comment. They did get a hit from the lack of diamonds presence. Still haven't got a ship. Oh, right. This is a uh, from a comment from me said earlier. My uh, comic store is still running comics and stuff. Although their current uh, mo is to run business at their front door through the screen door, uh, social distancing and all. Uh, they did get a hit from diamond. Uh, lack of diamonds presence. Haven't got a shipment for all of April. Uh, as far as I'm aware from uh, Jared, it's a case of there's just going to be this deluge of books that were yeah. due to be uh, coming through the door around that time yeah it's like um, the same as the other films is what i understand yeah, well indeed indeed uh, into the blue mister if newspaper creatives journalists sub editors designs can be in union why uh, not comic creators i think it's it's exactly. i think at the end of this it's going to be only a matter of time before we start seeing something but um comic creators are, are not necessarily ones for actually coming together if you know what I mean, uh, in one big block. Uh, so it's finding somebody who will actually step forward to actually organize it. Um, we've seen efforts where people was, have tried uh, to step forward and organize something, and then it kind of gets shot down. So we'll, we'll see if someone actually has the forward momentum to actually make it work. Go on, you were saying, David. Yeah, sorry, there, there was the, the comic summit in, um, I think, 2017 or 2018. Uh, led by uh, John Locke of Big Punch Comics. He got, yeah. um, I think, about 50 creators together for essentially a convention only for creators. Um, it's a step in the right direction. Fair enough. And uh, Andrew English is saying Alistair is the only person who likes receiving bills. If that's what you want to get through your mail, sir, fine. Uh, yes, yeah. bills not so much. Exciting squishy <laughs> packages with things in them, those I'm all about. <laughs> Um, in terms of yourself out there, Alistair, then, um, obviously the coming together, which is kind of a, a big part of the, 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 uh, communities that you're part of, um, mm -hmm. can you see those be, uh, becoming more online? And the reason why I'm bringing those up is also for ourselves, uh, David, uh, Comic-Cons having virtual presences of which, I mean, this weekend I counted four, yeah. um, of which that was fun to try and keep a track on all of those uh, on, on the various platforms um yeah do, do you think that um the online presence uh then it's just going to be so much more of this stuff coming out yeah i do and it's, it's it's one of those kind of bitter ironies of this whole situation where um i'm i'm very like i said with the podcasting i'm very involved in kind of the genre publishing side of things as well and whilst there are two big conventions in that community. There's the Nebula Weekend and there's Worldcon where the Hugo Awards are given out. And last year there was a lot of discussion at the Nebula Weekend about how there was a streaming uh, 
room where every panel, you know, the, the those involved sign consent forms, the audience sign consent forms, and it was streamed. And there was a very long conversation about how do you feel comfortable about this? Authors who weren't entirely comfortable speaking on the record, because obviously the record of it lasts as long as YouTube is up. And that felt very much like stage one of a conversation. And that entire community and comics as well are now having to do stage five. Uh, I mean, Worldcon this year is in New Zealand, and they've gone entirely virtual. They're going ahead. That's a five-day event with 12 hours of programming every day, which people are going to be attending virtually. I have no idea how that's going to work. I can pretty much guarantee you a third of it won't work at all, and I can absolutely promise you that the other two-thirds will be full of solutions to problems no one has seen coming. This is, as you said at the top of the hour, a boiling pot. This is where a lot of new procedures for years to come and new ways of doing this stuff are going to be developed. And in the short term, it's going to absolutely suck quite a lot of the time. But the stuff that's going to come out of it is going to be amazing. I'm really curious to see how that convention is going to work, considering that I, as far as I understand, while it is virtual, it ain't cheap. Uh, uh, as, far as, as far as I'm aware, uh, I mean, we're seeing a lot of free conventions. We're seeing a lot of conventions raising money for charities. Uh, the virtual cons, what I'm talking about here. Uh, we had um, uh, Wales Comic Con just happened this weekend, which was raising money for your NHS. But World Con, isn't it something like a hundred and fifty dollars or something? Yeah, Worldcon it's, has it's an insane has, amount of money. And Worldcon has kind of striated levels of membership. You can be a member but not attend. You can be an attending member. All this kind of stuff. And I know that I, I seem to remember they're looking at slashing prices for a lot of stuff to compensate for the fact you can't physically be there. But um, yeah, that's that's one of these big questions. All these industries are having to deal with at once. If something goes virtual, then what is the worth of a virtual event balanced against a physical one? And you know, in purely in logistical terms, you've got, well, the good news is we don't have to have the venue. The bad news is we don't get the income. The good news is lots more people can attend. The bad news is they're 12 hours away on the other side of the planet. And you're going to get that there is going to be some kind of epic how-to manual coming out of this, which is, is just going to feel like Apollo 13. I'm quite convinced. Oh, God. Fair enough. In fact, I mean, the way that I was going to be doing this show was we're going to be talking to you two and then transitioning to our next guest. But it might be worthwhile bringing Dave, uh, B. Dave Walters into uh, the conversation because, uh, hello there, first and foremost, hello there. Uh, is it, how do I uh, address you, by the way? Is it B. Dave, B, how do I say your name, sir? It's true, like a, like a smoke bomb should go off and I should jump out of stage like Michael Jackson. Well, you're doing that. I'll try the tried and true IT technique of turning my camera on and off again. I'll be right back. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, Dave is fine. I, I know that my, my showbiz name is B. Dave Walters, but we know now that we're talking, I know you mean me. So. Fair enough. Oh. Also, if it's, oh, if it's out of, there you uh, go. Also, if it's, if it's out of focus, snap your fingers near your face. It'll, it'll uh, target on the motion and zoom in on you, or at least it should. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's a that was a bit of a hint and tip for you. Although it looks like his uh, is your sound now working, Alan's there. He now can't hear us. Doomed. Can be seen or heard. Yes. Fair enough. Well, I mean, the the question I was going to ask you, Dave, is about virtual conventions. While we we're on that topic of conversation, have you had your invites to any virtual cons yet? Oh, I've already done like ten. And, yeah. in, and everything that you were, I mean, it's every day of the week. 
um, I'm, I'm doing one Wednesday, uh, Jasper's Game Day, um, that is extended to Jasper's Game Week. It was supposed to be a live event in Burbank about a month ago. Now it's virtual. Did virtual Gary Con, virtual Horror Con. Um, uh, I still have later in the year some live events that are booking us under the pretense that society will have restarted by then. But, you know, I put the odds at 50-50, really. Um, yeah. And in, in everything you said, it, it, it has... Um, it has flattened things and widened things where more people can do it, but it is harder to monetize. It does have a, a lower barrier of entry to get in, but there might be less to show for it in the short term. Yeah. And I think it's going to, um, unfortunately, I think it's going to uh, eradicate a lot of the smaller players in the stage right now. But I mean, it's almost like a forest fire. It'll come through and it'll wipe out a lot of things and it will restart again. Like next year, there will be some of the giants will survive and then new little ones will begin. And, you know, again, some of them will grow up and last and some of them won't. It's just like the whole thing will begin again. Yep. Sure. I mean, I'm starting to see a lot of, I mean, we're getting to that point now where people are wanting to try and get money out of this. That, uh, like you say, um, when you saw with comic conventions, the way that uh, they started out as very much a celebration of fandoms, and then it's a case of okay, how can we make some money out of this? So you've got GalaxyCon that are doing their live streams, which you pay for, um, and you have the, that one-to-one -one experience, and then there's shows that are doing um, feeds where you pay for a, a subscription onto a, uh, a, a sorry a Facebook live feed or a Twitch feed and you only get a link and it, it's just going to prove that's going to be proving interesting uh, before I let David and Alistair get off because uh, I know David's got small kid that he wants to uh, get back to so we'll let get, uh, get back to him we'll wrap up um, certainly when it comes to virtual conventions and the uh, the way that it's affecting uh, the comics community especially small press um, with all of these virtual events happening, uh, David, do you think that there's going to be a lot of um, small press and indie publishers and um, creators that are going to get kind of like lost in the mix because they're not going to be able to get invited to these events or they're not going to get the... Because uh, the, obviously people are wanting to get the, the, the big names to, to, to attract faces and views to their feeds. But um, it's going to be awkward to get those kind of... Uh, that attention from small press... Um, personalities, which we only really see if we are just strolling the tables. I mean, I think I've seen a few um, like Kitchen Con and a few of the others that are just specifically only indie creators. But again, then you lose out on the big name attraction drawing in that bigger audience. But I think what this is really going to do is actually set up a lot of the infrastructure that you need to have essentially a paid stream of some sort, um, which the smaller creators could probably benefit from where whether it's on Twitch, Discord, or whatever, um, having it so that you can actually create your own your own table. I mean, I know some friends right now as we speak who, or at least earlier this afternoon, who are doing their own live stream, essentially just them doing their own table at a convention for three hours, um, wow. trying to sell their own stuff. And if you can do that and monetize it, then you know, in this age where people are now growing more accustomed to doing these sorts of virtual things then great if you know it's opens up a whole new uh form of marketing for them a whole new potential revenue stream so i think there are some definite benefits from it um whether they'll get invited to the bigger conventions i think is the same answer as it was when it's in person 
I think uh, it's also going to be interesting over the next couple of uh, weeks, months, that uh, people, that the sales of uh, high-quality webcams and green screens and uh, kind of slightly more professional setups are going to go through the roof. I think, um, if anything, it'll improve uh, those uh, reports that are coming into uh, news broadcasts because the, the moment that they can improve in quality, I will be a very happy boy indeed. But there we go. Um, uh, actually, I actually have a funny story about that. Um, a fr my friend of mine uh, runs a podcast and streaming company, and um, he is responsible for the week in this country where you could not get green screens in a particular type of web. <laughs> because as this hit, they got, a, like a lot of places, they got like a, a panic sum through patreon and he was like okay we've got 20 people in 20 locations they have their addresses 10 of them have web cameras let's go and he successfully cleared out a small but perfectly formed chunk of amazon's warehouse and he is insufferable about that <laughs> it is kind of brilliant oh dear lord okay um it's been uh, a pleasure chatting to both you david and alistair it was only going to be a short chat and certainly kind of covering a lot of uh, topics but it's been a pleasure to get you on board just to cover up on a couple of uh, things we were talking about the uh, the unionization of creators i mean into the blue mister is saying it can be done just look at uh, cbldf which uh, for those that don't know it's the comic book legal defense fund but that is very much more a support system for um creators that are in trouble now it's a case of let's see if we can actually have some form of protection across the board uh toby as well uh, the drunk filter has been turned off on alice Dare. so uh, yes it's great to have you in full full view so there we go guys thank you very much indeed for coming on it's been a pleasure we'd love to try we'd love to try and get you back on and maybe have a, a show just with the three of us and just really kind of hash out some other stuff we'll see perhaps once things have kind of uh, calm down and maybe we start seeing the end of this and uh, come out the other end of the tunnel. Sounds um, great. Thank Alistair, you so much. Be back. Say the word. No worries. No worries. Uh, Alistair, if you'd like to just explain to people where people can find you online and what where you can be found and what you're up to. Yeah, of course. Um, if you go to pseudopod.org, you'll uh, find the horror podcast I host. If you go to alistairstewart.com, that's my uh, homepage. And there'll also be a sign-up link there for the full lid, which is my pop culture newsletter, which is email, but good. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much indeed for coming on. And David, I know that you've got something to pimp. Uh, so we'll oh, let okay. you have a little bit of time on this one. But no, you've yeah. got um, where can people find you online? And uh, yeah, what's this new project you've got launching? Well, so you can find um, a place to hang your cape at ap2hyc.com. That's AP, the number two, HYC. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ap2hyc underscore David. And you can find our brand new merch store, uh, which Ooh. just launched this week at ap2hyc.com slash store. And I'm actually pimping some of our new merch right now. But um, yeah, I'm a selfless uh, or shameless rather uh promoter of uh my own stuff mostly because we shamelessly promote other comics that we love <laughs> fair enough and understandable um guys i just hope that we get to see you um at a convention at some point soon even if it is 2021 which is looking possible but Let's, I mean, let's put it this way. I've been speaking to a number of people this week. Uh, fingers crossed that things like Thought Bubble Lakes, etc. Yeah. Let's remain optimistic about this and let's see where we go. David, Alistair, thank you so much indeed for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Excellent stuff indeed. Right. 
uh, which means it's now all yours, sir. Uh, the, the the platform is all yours, Dave. Uh, welcome along. Thank you very much indeed for coming on. Um, the reason why you're here is um, primarily to talk about your new Kickstarter, because um, when we went uh, twice a week with this with the show, because we weren't doing the news updates for conventions anymore, we were wanting to promote those uh, projects that are out there. You have your new Kickstarter, which we will get into. But first, I think uh, to kind of introduce everyone to you, because you are not just a triple threat or a quadruple threat. You are a man of many, many talents, sir. Ooh. So if, uh, go for it. If you want to just introduce yourself, who is uh, B. Dave Walters? Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Ooh, look at that. I've spread out. I'm, I'm, I'm like yeah, letting my wings out. Uh, B. Dave Walters. Uh, I think your audience might know me more from the comic side of things where uh, I wrote Dungeons and Dragons, A Dark and Wish, uh, the official comic for IDW Publishing with my co-creator, Tess Fowler. Um, I am currently writing uh, Electropunk with my co-creator, Jeff Womister. Uh, that is a Kickstarter that is going on. Uh, I am on a number of streams, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night, um, Dungeons and Dragons, Silver and Steel. Uh, then I am the Dungeon Master uh, and creator of the Dark and Wish streaming series, because that is a transmedia project that, that's all woven wow. together. Um, also, the trade paperback for Dungeons and Dragons and Dark and Wish just came out. It's funny. He's like, I'm a, I'm a shameless self-promoter. I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> my brother. Yes. Um, it's available now, the trade. Uh, you can get it at your local comic shop if you can find one. Otherwise, Comixology, Amazon. Uh, and then a number of other streams. I'm uh, doing Roll in the Family, uh, The Slumbering Forest for D&D. Uh, it's like I'm funny. I'm going through my mind here of all the streams. Um, Long Beach by Night, which uh, our final episode of season two is today at noon. And then I'm doing a series called One-on-One -on -one Shots, where I'm playing either D&D, Vampire, or something else with uh, celebrities that are playing. I had Matthew Lillard two weeks ago, Jim Zub last week. Today's Miss Melee Damage. We're going to be playing some D&D. Um, and I basically can be found saying words on camera wherever anyone will let me. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Andrew Dickinson has got the, the statement in. Uh, your catchphrase is do the thing. You seem to be doing a lot of things. Is there a limit that you think you can stretch yourself? You know, it's I, I funny. Mean, I, I've been oh. saying, I've been saying, if you remember in Batman Begins, um, when there's a scene when Bruce Wayne is putting his shirt on and he's all beat up and Alfred says to him, you're just a man, you have limits. And he's like, can't afford to know him as he's putting this shirt on. I'm like, theoretically, there, there's, there's some hard limit and I feel like uh, I will find it abruptly and you guys will know when I know. Um, but yeah, no, it's in, in addition to all of that streaming, I do, uh, I run about ten sessions of Patreon games uh, every week for my patrons. So yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's wall to wall, seven days a week, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking uh, with Alistair and David there, and uh, certainly it was about um, uh, the indie creators and um, self-publishing here in the UK, which they are both very interested in. Um, and talking about the way that people are communicating and getting stuff done uh, while they're currently in lockdown, uh, where they perhaps didn't. Oh, they weren't having the focus or they weren't being given the opportunity to kind of concentrate on those projects. Are you finding yourself that you've ramped up while lockdowns happened or are you, is it, is this where you've always been? Um, Actually, I, I, I want to take a step back. I was remiss that I skipped an important step of just saying thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time no to worries, talk to me, no talk to me today. Um, I definitely have ramped it up a lot. 
um, I always was 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 fairly busy. I like to be productive, but uh, I definitely realized that in this time in particular, um, to be quite honest, there was an there's an altruistic reason and, and a practical reason. Um, on the one hand, I stepped up with all the content production because I'm like, people are home, people need things to do, uh, people are feeling isolated, constrained, bored, um, and so I wanted to be able to put out things that'll just help people get through that. Cause I mean, you can only watch reruns of friends so many times. Um, and uh, that's the altruistic reason. And, you know, and the practical reason is again, it, there's people have time on their hands. Like this is an opportunity to have new people, you know, see the streams I'm on the, the, the gifted performers that uh, I have, I'm blessed to work with, you know, some of the, the content that we've created together and the stories that we've been able to tell and sort of cut through the noise because life is so busy usually. Now we're in an unusual time in all of human history that kind of like society is desperately looking for something to do. So, and we're very proud of the things we've created. So if it's sort of like, hey, by the way, since you got some time on your hands, check this thing out. Um, so it has just sort of uh, worked um, in tandem there. I think the only real change is, is before in, in the before times, uh, years ago, a, a lot of a lot of my current um, fans don't even realize that the thing that put me on the map is I actually wrote a ton of nonfiction. I used to be a nationally syndicated columnist, um, and I wrote about 500 articles and put out a lot of videos that were, were more in, in that type of content that I've started creating that sort of stuff again, because, uh, again, there's a, there's a need for it. So just trying to do what I can do to help people stay sane and happy uh during this uh this unusual time <laughs> i think that, that's a, that's a, that's a word an unusual time yeah that's an understatement i think is the, the word you're looking for um i i it's interesting that you're talking about some um, people uh, on the other side the, the the receiving of the content uh, what we were talking about the first half of the show is those generating the content and uh, i said that uh, i think we're going to see a lot of um uh, covid babies uh, a lot of uh, projects and stuff that have been perhaps put on the back burner that um, they they didn't have perhaps the focus on or real life was kind of distracting them from, away from. Now that they've got the time at home to kind of knuckle down and look, take those off the shelf and uh, look at them, I think we're going to see a lot more content like that. It's at what point? What point then is it a case of? too much um and we i mean we were already there with uh, streaming content and all of the, the the stuff that we were desperately trying to uh, see on a, and like you say people are going back to uh, very familiar things going back to see friends again um but it's a case of how can people get um eyeballs on all of this content that's coming out i mean how are you being able to kind of get people's attention uh oh no please you, you you it's give it to me i'll take it i will take tears and nuance um you know i i a point that i've made many times is in the past we'll say 10 years ago 10-ish years ago definitely 20 years ago uh there was basically 30 people 30 gatekeepers that controlled all of entertainment if you didn't get signed to be a movie star or an actor or a musician and, and this one of these people that didn't just sort of give you the, the thumbs up, it was not going to happen. I mean, not counting eking out like some sort of existence on the indie circuit. Like for the most part, you were not going to be a star unless certain people said you. The Internet democratized all of that. 
Uh, the internet did away with all of the gatekeepers, gave everybody an equal shot in while it gave everybody the opportunity to speak their truth and create their art and do what they loved. It also gave it to everyone else. So where it no longer became an option about access, it became about being heard over the noise. The simple answer is, honestly, the majority of people aren't going to have a huge following and aren't going to have millions and millions of people that love what they do. But the good news is you don't have to. Uh, if you're from, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of uh, a thousand loyal fans. Um, I did not make this up, uh, dear internet, so feel free to Google it and try, read it. Try, 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 try. Try heading for dozens, and I, I think I know where you go. <laughs> the dozens and the dozens of the Rocks fans. Uh, the, but the, the concept of a 1,000 loyal fans is basically you don't need millions of people. You need about a 1,000 people that consume anything that you put out. Um, and you can build a sustainable career about that. Uh, if you Google it, it's like written in detail, but it's true. So my, my advice to content creators is don't even try to – go after millions and millions of people because you actually cannot control that. Well, you can control, create the best thing that you can with the most heart that you can. Uh, you were mentioning production value when you were coming up. Yes, production value is important. Sound is the most important thing. People, a lot of times people don't realize that, but every single poll, every time people always say hearing it is the most important thing because people don't always sit down and watch. A lot of people are mom watching and multitasking when they're doing things. Um, and right now at this exact second, society is fairly forgiving about the overall video quality just produce something that you love produce something that you would want to consume that you care about because somebody out there also cares about it too and i can tell you i'm, I'm lucky to know I'm, I'm on a successful stream with uh, la by night i know all the players in in the bigger streams out there i'm not getting them name dropping although normally i would because again shameless self-promoter but I will just tell you all, a lot of the most successful people in the streaming business, they don't even know why everybody loves what they love. They don't even know what the secret sauce is. They just keep showing up and doing the best thing that they can do from the heart. And people know it resonates. And then, you know, the rest of it takes care of itself. Well, I mean, the, the group that we broadcast to, I mean, we started off as a, uh, it was a comic convention uh, podcast. It was about San Diego Comic Con uh, in particular, uh, but it's kind of evolved over over time. But it's very much that dedicated fandom that will go to events. Uh, so I think I I kind of speak to and I'm part of a community that will travel thousands of miles to uh, to v to view and to consume content, and we will go to many lengths. We were talking um, earlier about the fact that when the comic book stores open, even with that threat of uh, infection still lingering in the background, we will be there battering on the doors because we want to embrace and grab this uh, content, and we want to see and and. In, in ingest it all uh, as best we can um it's very interesting that um the audiences that you talk to it's all about uh, that passion and that real kind of uh, the real kind of that that circulation of uh, community that comes together when it comes to uh, uh, fandoms i'm curious about um your attending of comic cons um when it comes to this year which seems is a complete wash and it's looking like the rest of the year is looking particularly uh Dyer, how hard have you been hit by the inability to actually interact with your uh, audience face to face? So it's weird because I'm like 
the super extrovert like I, I know that's weird it doesn't seem like it uh but <laughs> like like you know last son of last son of krypton like you know when at comic-con when you have those moments when you're out in front of the convention center and there's just a sea of humanity everywhere you can look like you know two hundred thousand people there's just humans i love that that's like that's like my my emperor palpatine unlimited power is there within those environments um I live for that stuff. Um, I think I've been lucky because both through streaming and through my Patreon games, which I already was doing online, I was I was already doing remotely, I still get to connect with different people and interact with people. Um, and so that has helped me stay sane, essentially. So it is. it has been, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, fairly harmless for me. Uh, in that respect, because I've still I kind of have my lifeline still going, if that makes sense. Um, and I think even the cons and you're right, some of the you know, most of them are canceled. Some of the ones later in the year are still setting up arrangements, you know, pro progressing under this assumption that they're going to go. But I think what they're going to find, honestly, you know, I don't want to jinx it, is that a lot of them, even if they try and run, let's let's say, well, you know, we'll go August ish, September ish, you know, the third quarter of the sure. year. Even if they try and put on the big event, a lot of people aren't going to go. Like a, a lot of people aren't necessarily going wanting to to be with thousands of people in a room where most people get con crud after a con anyway. So I think even the ones that happen are going to have very low participation. And I honestly, I think it's going to be a couple of years before it it kind of builds back up again. It will. Uh, I mean, we will see the the San Diego Comic Con, you know, sea of humanity as far as the eye can see again. Maybe by next year, I don't know. I think if, if by next year, if there's I'm really, really curious yeah. to see how it's going to work because I mean, yeah, it's going to be two or I three. Missed I missed out think. on this year. Yeah, yeah, I missed out on this year because the idea was that we weren't we we're going to miss out on 2020, save some money. Um, uh, sorry, 2019. Sorry, uh, we didn't go to 2019. Save some money, go to more UK and instant, uh, European cons, and save up and make 2020 the big blowout. At which point, obviously, that's gone uh, uh, the, the way of the dodo. So, we're now looking at 2021. We're looking at going uh, from the UK. It's whether, as international travelers, that's going to be uh, <laughs> even viable. I think, like you say, it's just going to be. It, it, I think the landscape is just going to be so different once all of the the dust has settled. Um, we've got one or two questions. That have, oh, go on. You were about to say. No, I was just going to say, and again, unfortunately, you know, some of the vendors, some of the players, some of the fixtures, you know, may not last through this, but new ones will emerge, you know, and it will uh, keep moving. Yep. Absolutely. Um, we've got Andrew Dickinson. I think this is more uh, as a personal thing for the pair of us. Uh, both you and uh, yourself and Leonard are larger than the average human. I, I, I'm guessing that he's talking about height, but you know he could be talking girth. It's okay. Um, have you any problems convincing people to find out you are very approachable? Uh, I well, a lot. It, it's that. Well, I guess uh, to 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 convert this into matrix uh, metric, not matrix numbers or matrix numbers. Also that uh, I am a I'm two point oh five meters and one hundred and twenty kilos. So yes, I'm a big dude. Um, smiling is the key, honestly. Yeah. It's smiling. That's if you notice uh, whenever I make eye contact with people, I make a point to smile because I do think something in their reptile brain is like he's going to kill and eat me, <laughs> which uh, served me well when I was a bodyguard um, because I can very much put on my aura of menace, like do not come near me. 
Uh, so it's like it can switch it on and off like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, I do yeah. want to just say one other thing to a previous point you made about those uh, coronavirus babies of the projects that are coming out. Sure. That's kind of the gospel I've been preaching lately in the sense that um, and I don't want to make light of the fact that now is a very difficult and stressful time for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of human beings are suffering. We have lost people. Uh, we're getting to the point that a lot of us are starting to know someone uh, that we've lost to COVID-19. And uh, it has been a tremendous struggle for some people, especially pending the industries they're in. So I don't want to make light of the fact that it is incredibly difficult for a lot of people. However, for also for a lot of us, we have time on our hands that we never had before. And it is when life restarts, when we get back in, when we have to start sitting in rush hour traffic again, again in meetings and working 60 hours a week and having to get up that much earlier and all of that, there is a certain element of the simplicity of this time that we will miss. And so I very much encourage people to find that story that you are working on, that novel, that painting, that online tutorial you wanted to do in start chipping away at it every day because you will never have more time to work on it than this. Like, yes, it is stressful, but like there will just be different stress. Like you will never have more time to work on a thing than now. So if there's that thing that's in the drawer, do work on it. Although I will throw you uh, a, a curveball there, believe it or not. I think if you've got something that has been that story that has just sort of been tickling your noodle for like two years and you've never done it, believe it or not, that's not the project right now. If that was your, <laughs> if that was your Harry Potter, you'd have done it already. Like go for something that like maybe the last three to six months, you know, you started thinking about something. Uh, pick that one, pick that one, knock that one out. And then maybe the opus that was bubbling in the back of your brain pull that one out because I definitely got stories that you know that I've intended to write for 10 years but the things that are really hot lean into that finish it just get something done because the best thing you write will uh, the worst thing you write will always be better than the best thing you did not write very good points indeed and not only that but we'll use that as a jumping off point into your latest project so we'll get into that in a second uh, a couple of comments uh, first though uh, we've got uh, toby who's jumped in uh, talking about your streams it must be a trip playing dnd with matthew serial killer lillard so uh, yeah I, I, I can imagine that would be uh, something uh, special um andrew uh, so do you think streaming is very ginny in a bottle you don't know uh, uh, it will work until you put it out there yeah absolutely uh, it's a case of you can't you, you can't know until it's done absolutely uh, into the blue mister spot on with the con predictions dave even if they do open up people are going to be very wary about uh, attending and uh, yeah andrew is talking about uh, his personal uh, um connection and um how COVID has affected him. I lost one of my best mates and D&D player for the last 35 years. The group has to decide if the campaigns keep going as interacting with a dwarf cleric is going to be too much. Wow. You know, that's I'm, going to be, that's going to be hard. I'm not here to tell you guys how to process your grief. Uh, innately, any way that you do that is valid. I just can say, I guarantee you, your bro wouldn't have wanted to stop the game over him. Very good point. Very good point indeed. Um, as someone who's currently living in a COVID house um, it's I think it's the isolation uh, which proves most challenging but it's things like this and interacting with people that is allowing me to feel part of the community and feeling part and connected with the world again so I think that's um, that's where I am at this point 
You know, it's a thing what people realize is, or, or, or don't always realize, is you got to remember, uh, what is the worst punishment we inflict on the worst human beings? Solitary confinement. You know, like the thing we did to the war, you're in a supermax prison somewhere. What's the worst thing we can do to you? Make you go be by yourself. You know, that's human beings aren't wired for this, for prolonged periods of isolation. So however you're feeling is innately valid. Like this has never happened ever since. I mean, obviously there's been times of quarantine in human history, but I mean, it's during the Spanish flu or the black plague or whatever, like they didn't have access to the information that we've got to the technological infrastructure that we've got. They literally everyone had to go and sit and be inside and like not know, um, so no one knows what is a, a healthy response. No one knows, you know, how you should feel. I mean, however you feel is fine. Nothing's wrong with you. This is weird. This is freaky. No one knows, uh, you know, what the, the right reaction is. So, you know, cut yourself a break. And, and like you just said, make sure if those of you out there stay connected to people, keep talking to people, feel free to admit that when you're having trouble, feel free to admit when you're in pain, because I guarantee you, like, everybody's going through it, but we will all get through it together. Just keep leaning on each other. We'll make it. Absolutely. But, I mean, Michael P is uh, quite right in saying amen and preach. There you go. You're quite right, sir. Congratulations on uh, articulating, yeah, pretty much exactly what uh, needs to be said. Well done. Um, but okay, let's uh, talk about um, the the new project that you've got on the uh, the cards when it comes to uh, your Kickstarter, which uh, I'm going to bring up on uh, screen because it's just I'm I'm really liking the look of this thing. This is just amazing. Electropunk, children of the future. Yeah. This is uh, this is a project which I mean it's a, a a Kickstarter that's up and running right now. Um, it's, I mean, if I just turn to the page and we will be bringing the page up on the screen uh, very shortly indeed, mm -hmm. but we're talking uh, 400 backers, 20 days to go. Um, it's 68% of its goal at the moment, um, which is very impressive. It's, it's on, on track to, uh, to do what it needs to do. But I mean, it's just such a, a, a brilliant looking project and we are going to bring up some, some artwork of it. I mean, how long has this been kind of on the cards? How long have you been putting this together? Oh, Jeff and I, uh, Jeff Wamister, my co-creator and I have literally been picking at this, I think, properly for about six years now. Um, we, uh, it started out as we just sort of like started chatting at a 4th of July picnic in 2013 and just started spitballing ideas. Then at the exact same 4th of July picnic in 2014, we were like, no, we should start doing this. Um, and that's when we started stockpiling art, stockpiling scripts. Uh, he and I are both freelancers. So it's, we'd, we both, our time would sync up where we could like work on it. And then we both get drawn away to do something else. And our time would sync up to work with it. And a strange thing happened because we we wanted to do it at different times and again just life would would get in the way and we couldn't see it through and i think it would have been in february there was one night in this hand of god this happened i just something woke me up like the freaking ghost of christmas future here over my christmas story and was like do it now do it now do it right now and i was like okay all right and i called him the next day and we've just been pushing 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 and um I think the thing that, that we've gone through the most and the reason why it looks the way it looks is Jeff is not just a master artist, but he's a perfectionist. He has probably redesigned Ruthie and Chuck like six times in the times that we've been telling these stories. So 
He went through, completely redesigned the characters, redesigned their look, redesigned their armor, redesigned the world, came up with all these like new artistic techniques to like really capture the the visual aesthetic that he was after. And uh, we were just ready to put it out to the world. And, you know, here it is. That's um, we're, we're very proud of it, what we've been able to create. I mean, we're, I'm putting uh, artwork up on the on the screen at the moment. And it's this real rich um dynamic uh very um i mean there's a lot of energy and a lot of um momentum on, on the pages that i'm putting up and uh, uh certainly uh the way that uh, it's looking is just fantastic if you can give us the elevator pitch of the story uh, i will just say that is spring hill jack there by the way you know for for since we're, we're talking to uh people from the uk that that's who they're after in this in this first story um it um the simple solution is uh, in, in the real world, Nikola Tesla had a lab that burned down that he said set his work back 50 years. That did really happen. In the world of electropunk, that did not occur. So by the time our story starts in 1910, he's one of the wealthiest and most influential people in the world. And as a byproduct of his work with this high technology, one of the things that he realized is monsters are real. There are things that go bump in the night in that the human race needed somebody to protect them. So he raised his niece and nephew, Ruthie and Chuck, to become humanity's sword and shield. So he created these suits of powered armor for them where they also look like monsters to go out and fight and save the world, basically. Uh, they are brother and sister. They are twins. Um, they are heroes. They love each other. They have a good time. They go through the absolute ringer, but they never give up. And I think that is what um, people who have read the stories, that's what they like about them so much, that they're, they're tenacious. They're having a good time. Uh, and they get put in some uh, crazy and unusual situations that I, I think you will enjoy. Uh, when it comes to this particular um, Kickstarter, why did you, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, that this is a very difficult time to launch something like this mm -hmm. when people are struggling perhaps financially because at the end of the day, it's the, the, the revenue's not coming in, they're, they're, they're not earning, and it's very difficult to justify perhaps putting money onto um, a creative endeavor when they are wanting to try and put food in, in the shelves and uh, in, in, in their pantry. What's been the, I mean, wh why do you feel that now is the time to uh, to launch something like this? You know, uh, of course, I, I would I would always say, you know, secure your own oxygen first. Of course, take care of whatever you have to do before, uh, you know, engaging in, in the luxuries. I would say that's true all the time, of course. Um, we looked at it. And although the numbers were saying the numbers of new Kickstarters were down, the actual funding rates of Kickstarters stayed level. And, um, you know, it, we just figured we just had to test it because on the one hand, yes, um, we didn't know if the how the economic tr struggles were going to impact people, but we also didn't necessarily know how like boredom and desperately looking for something new was going to impact people. Um, it, it, I think we just... Uh, we just put planted the flag that now was the time again the the ball was rolling too far and quite frankly i, I think even though we were a ways into the development when the whole COVID crisis hit but even if we pulled the plug on it when do we start it six months from now will it be any different a year from now will it be any different once it is different will there just be a a, a steamroll of all the people that have been doing these covid babies and there'll be so much competition so we didn't know you know we we just decided now was the time to uh to shoot our shot and uh uh 
in, in keeping again with my, my freaking um, uh, uh, ghost of Christmas future thing that told me to do it now, I did it now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I mean, it looks incredible. And yeah, you're definitely going to uh, get so much uh, attention purely off the i mean the 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 world building but this is something you you're you're very much well known for i mean just to kind of blow a little bit of smoke up your ass uh, if you don't mind i am a massive dark and wished fan uh, i i came in uh, via cuz while i did play dnd as a kid uh, i'm i haven't been a player for a while uh, but i came in via um uh, tess uh, fowler who i'm a huge fan of uh, and she did this incredible work on a uh, dark and wish uh, as a book and that is what you uh, you read your your stories you recognize that that's what you do you create these uh, incredible worlds uh so you've got this um uh, fantastic cast list as well uh of which we're uh, we're seeing on screen but um the actual book itself uh, it's uh, looking like you've got so much uh, that you're adding to it especially with the stretch goals and uh, everything else yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. Also, shout out to Tess Fowler, my homie. And uh, she is the first stretch goal, by the way, is electropunk art from Tess Fowler. So if, if we get to 45, that, that is the first thing that we unlock. Um, is something from her there. So, you know, hopefully we'll make it. Uh, we'll push to the very last second. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a, a, a great process. And I think um, working on A Darkened Wish was especially important to me because... I've spent hundreds, thousands of hours playing D&D &D and in the Forgotten Realms and in dreaming in those worlds and in those spaces. And so getting to add something, getting to add a link of to the continuity of that world was uh, just something beautiful for me that I was very blessed to do. And yes, now we, we have this whole new world Um that is, uh, I think, a time that a lot of times stories don't get told in, or at least don't get told um, in this uh, aesthetic of them basically being a turn of the century superheroes. Um, and there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot planned, a lot, a lot, a lot already written of of what happens to these characters and where they go and and what they do and and i like to weave in um in a dark and wish i wove in so much of the history and mythology of the forgotten realms as that story is very much my love letter to dungeons and dragons and a love letter to the forgotten realms um in this i was able to weave in so much of the real world uh, again, that is Spring Hill Jack, but almost every element of the mythology of Spring Hill Jack is in that story of uh, who he is and why he's doing what he's doing and how they find him and how they defeat him. Spoiler alert, the heroes win. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's I love that because the, the, the type of stories that I like to tell, because, again, I, I like to give people an opportunity to go on a journey and get lost in something and i think whenever you can go in there and enjoy something and then come back afterwards and be like oh that was real oh that's a place oh that's a person oh wow it just adds a, a layer of like depth and richness to it um that is is otherwise lacking and can often make you feel more connected to something and more connected to the world. It's the same way you know, with Harry Potter. Um, people go to the train station where they get on the train to Hogwarts. You know, it's that, it's that transition of you're like, oh, it's here. The fact that this is real makes all of it a little more real. Um, and I think that's 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 a beautiful thing. And that's why I, I wanted to, to, to do it that way. So um, sure. it's been great. Yeah. I mean, 
Into the Blue Mister is uh, definitely echo echoing my uh, feelings on it. Any story that has Tesla in it is a winner with me. Uh, I mean, yeah, I uh, yeah, uh, there were uh, a film, The Prestige. Uh, is uh, one of my favorites but uh, the, yeah I, I, tesla fan um it's, it's atomic, it, yeah is atomic robo an influence uh, asks into the clue mister it wasn't for me i don't know if it was for jeff but i cannot recall specifically talking about uh atomic robo um i think we've been influenced more by um, animation, especially television animation, because that's Jeff's background. Uh, he was, and I apologize if I misstate any of his credits here. He'll like burst into flames. Uh, he's a very humble guy. He's just like, no, don't give me too much credit. Um, he did character designs on a lot of the Marvel superheroes cartoons from a few years ago, like uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and things like that, and then became a, 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 a director for the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. He's directing movies for Warner Brothers now. So it so happens our styles mesh well, because when I write, I see a scene in my mind, and then I describe the scene. Um, in he being a visual storyteller can take my like hodgepodge mishmash and then make it look like that, which is why you've got that action on the page of Spring Hill Jack leaping over the car and then Chuck vaulting over the car because that's how it is in my head. And if you've ever worked with a collaborator, by the way, one of the most beautiful things is when you can express a vision and then they actually give it back to you and even more give it back better than you thought, which both Tess and Jeff did that, where I was like, here's the thing I think was dope. And they're like, but what if it were way more dope? And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's wild. It, it, it is, it is, it is, it is wild to even have the chance to, to do these things at all and even and tell these stories. And again, we're, I'm just so in love with Ruthie and Chuck and the Colonel and Tesla and, and just the, because to me, they're alive. To me, they're friends. To, to me, I understand them and how they think and how they feel because they've lived in my head for so long. So being able to get that out and share it uh, is, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it is very exciting. You could tell by the, the how animated you are about it. I mean, it, it's clearly a, a story that is very much not just under your skin, but it's coming out your pores, which is fantastic. Uh, Toby, Forgotten Realms is D and D life. Uh, yeah, that's that's the what I, that's what I played. That's what I uh, played as a kid. Um, Andrew Dickinson, you tweeted about Doctor Who and a hidden future Doctor suggested by Muffet. Uh, well, Muffet, and, and now a Dalek T. I take it Doctor Who is a big thing in the Walters universe. Uh, this was a, a this is a double dose uh, again one you know i wanted to show proper respect to to an englishman here and uh and also the daleks are supreme you know so that's uh why i had to wear my dalek shirt here um yes i was a relatively late adopter to doctor who i mean i think i didn't get on board till like 2012 which don't get me wrong was still eight years uh -huh. ago but, you know but a ways into the resurgence um before i jumped on the train and then have been uh, have been have been going ever since. Yeah, it's uh, well, again. It's don't get me talking about it because I'll get freaking emotional. So I'm gonna try. I'm just saying. <laughs> but but I, 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 I will try. I will try to paraphrase. It was something uh, Moffat said around the fiftieth. And holy crap, I really even get emotional about it. Nope, I'm not. Hang on. Something Moffat said around the the fiftieth anniversary that he's like when they created that character. Um, 
back in the day, it was it was actually such a, a bold statement to make him uh, a doctor, a healer, a problem solver, to give him two hearts because he cares twice as much, to give him uh, a sonic screwdriver, a tool to fix things, you know, to to be someone who was there to try and always make things better and not just be a kick in the door and kill everybody type. Although, I mean, I guess if we're being honest, the doctors killed lots of people. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's again, to be able to, uh, in, 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 in a, uh, a, a sh- something that I heard um, uh, Jack Harkness, whose, whose name alludes me, because apparently I can't cry and refer to names at the exact same time. Uh, he, he made the point that, <laughs> John Barrowman, John Barrowman. Sorry, Internet, John Barrowman. All, all praise be due to him. Uh, <laughs> made the comment that uh, Doctor Who is not about the doctor. Doctor Who's about the companion because the companion is you. Um, and you're taking that trip with him. Back to the previous point that I was, that's, that's, to me, that is the essence of storytelling, to take people on a journey. It just so happens in Doctor Who that a madman with a box literally grabs your hand and tells you to run, and you go. And I will tell you this last thing, not to get too lost in this, because I will spend the rest of the day talking about freaking Doctor Who. The thing that's the thing that finally sold me on giving the show a chance was the um, the season Matt Smith's season with the the dinosaurs on a spaceship that I think was eight. I don't know. Again, oh, wow. I, I apologize, Internet. But they were running the commercials on the BBC. And there's the scene where the door opens and the doctor sees the dinosaur because it was the impossible astronaut season. So all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. But he the door opens and he says dinosaurs on a spaceship. And he just seems so excited about it. <laughs> and the fact that he seemed excited about it made me excited about it. So I was like, OK, let's see what the kids are on about. And then the rest was kind of history. Also, the Daleks are supreme. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of my favorite moments when it comes to Doctor Who, I mean, it's very similar to that, is that moment when um, he would come into a scenario and you would see some kind of horrifying or slightly strange uh, scenario in front of him, and the the companion instantly would make the human reaction of, oh, uh," and then the Doctor would go in, ah, right, okay, this is interesting. This is, okay, uh, I'm going to come in and and doesn't judge and just takes it and takes a scenario and, ah, this is, okay, that's cool, that's interesting. And, and it kind of, like, inspires the, the companion, and that's always what the, the, the show's about, absolutely. Never cruel. Um, damn right. Um, in returning to Electropunk very quickly, you've got Andrew Dickinson, who's saying, well, I'm back of fun, and therefore uh, an error message, at which point... English when I thought error was and then English is no an unauthorized error. I can live with that without uh, coming on board. Uh, Andrew Dixon, so when is the RGP game? Uh, R, yeah, RGP game of the comic coming out. Are, are you thinking for outside of the Yeah, well, it's uh, I, I thought it yeah, no, yeah, no, he meant RPG. Uh, also, thank you for becoming yeah. a backer. Uh, it is tied into one of the stretch goals. I, I don't know if we're going to make that. Uh, if we don't and it funds, then, you know, I'll, I'll revisit it down the road because I'm, I'm, I'm on the writing team for, for Werewolf. Uh, the Werewolf W5, we're calling it right now. So I'm getting more and more uh, gaming credits all the time. So it's uh, I would definitely like to do it. I'll put it like that. I would definitely love to do it. Excellent stuff. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how um, the, the the project goes, how the, the Kickstarter goes. I mean, it's it's going very well uh, from what I can see 
on the screen. I mean, like I say, we've got if we go to the very top of the the Kickstarter, it's in English. Oh, sorry about that, but uh, it's a twenty-four thousand pound goal. It's sixteen and a half. It's sixty-nine percent of its goal. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's, um, so it's yeah. on, and it's looking great to uh, to see. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much indeed. I am going to stop that screen. I'm going to put this screen back on because it does have the graphic for um, the actual URL as well. So uh, let's get everyone heading in this direction. It is Electropunk um, on uh, Kickstarter. Projects slash Electropunk slash Electropunk dash children dash of dash the dash future. So there you go. That's, you go, the, that's you the go URL. If you go to Kickstarter and you just type in Electropunk, you'll find it. But yes, thank you for the for the proper pinky up gentlemanly URL there. Thank you. <laughs> 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 do my best but dave it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much indeed for coming on and all the best with the project sir yeah thank you very much i appreciate it you have a great one you too and i hope we can get you back on and talking once all the dust has settled you know anytime I, i'm always here to nerd out about comics uh, this project D, D, doctor who cons uh, panels that because that is what i love to do uh yeah like i said this wednesday uh, jasper's game day that's the next uh, digital con that we're doing so um check it out we'll be doing uh panels we'll be doing i don't think i'm doing any panels but we'll do a live game in the stream uh they were raffling seats to play with matthew lillard uh, again to mention him uh, chris perkins play with me um so yeah check it out jasper jasper's game day and we'll uh, we'll see you there and i uh, and i'm Jumping off of here to go play some D&D with Melee Damage at uh, 1 on one Pacific on twitch.tv forward slash QTimes. And we did Jim's Up last week for your audience, and then uh, two weeks before that was Matthew Lillard. Those ones are both up on YouTube. Excellent. Well, one last time, if you just want to say where people can find you online and what you're up to. I'm at B Dave Walters everywhere. Um, you can find me. Uh, I think I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, I do a ton of streams. Uh, the schedule is across the top. I also run games on Patreon. So if you want to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Werewolf Mage, Changeling, even Battlelords, my beloved Battlelords, uh, hit me up. Patreon.com forward slash B Dave Walters. And we have live 24 hour Discord role play with people from all over the world. So we'd love to have you. Excellent stuff. We will do our, well. We'll play the video as well from the uh, the Kickstarter page at the very end of the, this video, just to once again push people towards that uh, uh, that uh, campaign. All the best to it, and uh, Dave, thank you very much. Indeed. Can I just Before say one on. last thing before I drop off? Again. Whatever you're thinking about creating, Go do it. it. If you're thinking about running a stream, if you're thinking about writing a book, drawing a picture, do like just do it. 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 Don't wait. You don't need permission. Start where you are, what you got, what you have. Make it happen. Just do the thing. You'll be glad you did. Yep. And in this current uh, landscape as well, it doesn't matter what you're wearing when you do it. That's true. I reject, so, I reject yeah, pants I mean, and all the other lies of the before times. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not standing up. Um, I, I don't want this uh, video to be taken down. So we'll leave it where it is. <laughs> okay. Dave, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. Take care. Excellent stuff. Uh, we will show that, uh, showcase that video. We'll put that on the end of the uh, the stream and uh, do check it out because it is a uh, one hell of a thing. And 
yeah, that's 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 the stream right there. Kickstarter.com/slash/projects/slash/electropunk. Electropunk Children of the Future. Do check it out. Right. Um, the other thing that we usually do on the show is, um, uh, as well as featuring a, a Kickstarter, a crowdfund of uh, a spotlight for that, we also want to do our best to showcase the very best in artwork that's currently available on. Uh, so. Yeah, out. Um, this is going to serve two purposes. Uh, number one is going to showcase a guest that we've got coming up on the show later on in the month, but also the work that he's putting up online. We are talking, of course, about Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, My word. Um, Bill has been very busy and very prolific um, with putting stuff up out on, online. Um, he's also contributed to the Jim Lee efforts uh, raising money uh, on his eBay sketch sales. Um, I'll showcase that artwork in a bit, but I just wanted to uh, point you in the direction of his uh, Twitter and his, his Instagram because they are well worth checking out. Um, Bill has just been, he, I mean, it's Bill Sienkiewicz. I mean, the artwork that he puts out is just gorgeous. Um, admittedly, there are uh, some moments when it really hits you hard uh, in 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 the heart because um, he does put up artwork of people who, who we have lost and obviously in uh, the current climate we are losing a lot um, and over the last couple of years it's felt like we've lost someone every other week and Bill has just put out these incredible tributes to these fantastic people, these uh, celebrities, but these personalities that we know and love and he really does kind of capture something of them and put them onto the page. It's just beautiful to see. Um, Brian Dennehy there and uh, Honor Blackman, which is just a stunning piece. I mean, I often wonder if some of it is, in fact, um, taken um, and it's photoshopped and he's just kind of applying a filter of some description, but he's clearly not. It's all in the art. It's all coming out of his artwork and it's just absolutely beautiful, uh, which is where we are going to bring uh, this piece into light. Like I say, this is the one that he's currently selling on eBay, or Jim uh, Lee is currently selling on eBay, uh, raising money uh, uh, for um, uh, comic retailers. And um, he's just, uh, Jim's doing a, a, an amazing job, but he's roping in some incredible artists, and Bill is the one that he's gone for, uh, putting this fantastic bizarro uh, Superman uh, piece up that went up, I believe, yesterday. Uh, so uh, it is currently available. I am rather honoured that I put the first bid in of five hundred dollars, uh, knowing damn well that I was never going to win it. <laughs> I was thinking about putting something like five thousand up, uh, just to kind of see, you know, just to kind of be bold, uh, knowing damn well that if it doesn't go five figures. Um, I'll be stunned, um, but uh, just in case, I didn't, I wasn't that brave. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I, yeah, I was. I'm honoured to be the first person to put some money into the pot, but it is going to go for some big money, and quite right too, because it's Bill Sienkiewicz. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, Bill is going to be coming on the Hangout. Yes, he is. Um, we've got ourselves uh, a date for that. Uh, let me just see if I can uh, bring this up on. On screen, have I got that to date? Where the, 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 where's the dates? Oh, I thought I had it on a, 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 a thing that I could just put up. Maybe, it, is it there? No, it's not. Okay. Um, 
basically, uh, we are going to be talking to Bill Sienkiewicz on, the, I believe it's the 13th. Uh, let me just bring up my uh, my calendar. It's the 13th. It's the Wednesday. Um, it basically, in a, a week and a half's time, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz uh, is penciled to be on the show. I say penciled, and it's not to just kind of tease it that he should be coming on, but uh, he's not, as it happens. Um, he's mo He was scheduled to be moving house this summer. Uh, it was going to be this month and next uh, when he was going to into his new abode. Obviously, with lockdown, he hasn't been able to move. Uh, however, he's hoping that um, the lockdown is going to be released uh, over the course of the next week or so, so he can start moving into his house. So it is more a case of um, him being available. So who knows? Dan Berry has just put something up on the screen, which quite frankly shocks me. The current bid for that uh, Bizarro piece is $4,300, which shocks me. I mean, it says him. It's, it, I'm surprised at it's. You're surprised. I thought that would have been into the five figures already. I thought, yeah, who knows? I mean, there's time yet. There's time. And there's other um, bids that are going through and other things that they're selling. So, um, yeah, it's, it, we'll see where it goes. But there we go. Uh, seriously, Leonard, I spend the whole episode with Bill. I'm sure there'll be hundreds of questions. Um, yeah, I've actually invited somebody else on that show. Uh, basically, and having the pair of them talk. We'll see if that works. Trust me, I know that sounds weird to say that we would share Bill Sienkiewicz with somebody else. But if I got the other person on as well, I would just step out of the way and let them talk. Um, I think it would be an interesting conversation. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. But still, if we just get the chance to talk to Bill Sienkiewicz on his own, I think it'd be something special. But let, let's see where we go with that. Basically, if you do want to check out his social media, do it because he's constantly putting up some amazing artwork. I mean, I've got to put that back up on the screen. That Honor Blackman is just gorgeous. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, twitter.com uh, slash Sienkiewicz, um, basically uh, <laughs> explaining to people that it's not the hardest name in the world to remember. And Instagram, that Polish guy, um, just absolutely amazing. Um, Solicitor Smeg, I feel it's... Because of the renaissance we've had in comments, we've had a lot of greats over a short span, span so it now just feels sad, but uh, it's really because they were similar in age. Um, yeah. Um, so let me guess, it's Alex Ross. No. Um, I think uh, Into the Blue Mystery is making a slight comment there. Uh, me and Alex still haven't made uh, patched up. We still haven't made friends, um, even though I'm a massive fan of his work. Um, though it looks like me and him are not going to be on speaking terms anytime soon. Who knows? Uh, but there we go. It's our artist of the week. It's our cup of tea, artist cup of tea, Bill Sienkiewicz. Check out his work. And, of course, tune in on Wednesday the 13th. It's going to be a hell of a show. So there we go. That has been our show for today. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to. I mean, it's an hour and a half. And I'm sorry for if we... Uh, stretched into your Sunday evening, Sunday morning, uh, but we'll let you get off and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, thank you so much indeed to Alastair and to David at the beginning of the show to talk about um, comics and independent creators and how things are going uh, for them at the moment. 
Um, so Lister of Smeg, what happened between you and Alex Ross? Um, okay, I'll explain very, very quickly, but I'll just finish this off. Um, thank you very much indeed to those two. Thank you very much indeed to uh, B. Dave Walters for coming on. Uh, do go and check out Electropunk Children of the Future on Kickstarter. Well worth checking out, and we'll play that video in a second. Um, the story between me and Alex Ross. Uh, Alex Ross um, has, over the last five, six years, been learning how to use Photoshop and has been putting his artwork on the sides of buildings um, in San Diego uh, and in New York, uh, leading up to San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, other conventions. Um, and the Photoshopping has not been fantastic, but he has been basically, he basically told his fans that, uh, keep your eyes out, because I've been putting my artwork on the sides of buildings as building wraps. Um, and I called him out on it and said, that's a bit cheeky, um, saying that, you know, you've put your Justice League New Frontier piece up on uh, the side of uh, the Marriott, and it's not. Um, I think you're misleading people. And I kind of got slapped down, understandably, especially considering that um, he <laughs> started to get rather good on his um, uh, Photoshopping skills and did it on the side of a... Uh, trolley wrap, um, at which point uh, I really went, uh, dude, I don't think you should or mislead your followers like that. And one of my followers actually works for the MTS uh, in San Diego and just went, yeah, we can sue you for that uh, because, um, yeah, that's misleading about our uh, particular um, uh, uh, transport. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, me and Alex kind of fell out uh, because I called him out on something I felt that he shouldn't be doing. But there we go. What can you do? Right. Uh, thank you very much indeed for coming on uh, to uh, my guests. Thank you very much indeed for watching. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the show. Uh, like I say, some great guests on the way and really looking forward to uh, uh, bringing uh, – all of those guests throughout the course of May, uh, including the likes of, um, uh, who else have we got? Uh, we've got ourselves Russ Berlingame from comicbook.com. He's going to be joining us. Uh, we've got ourselves, um, uh, who else? Donny Cates and Megan Hutchinson. Looking forward to talking to them. And, of course, we do have our San Diego Comic-Con uh, special. Um, which we have definitely got confirmed, Aaron Nabus, and we've definitely got confirmed, um, Rob Sakowicz, yet to find out about um, Alyssa. She has been messaging th me throughout the course of the show, so fingers crossed that we're going to have Alyssa on as well. We'll see what happens. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, stay safe. Stay clean. Wash your hands. And um, stay home if you can. And I hope that we'll all uh, see each other on the other side. Take care. And uh, let me just... Uh, restart this window and uh, basically show you this video uh, to wrap up. Go check out kickstarter.com slash projects slash electropunk, electropunk children of the future. From me to you, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.